You're listening to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. Subscribe to our newsletter at daddevotionals.com slash subscribe. Theodore Roosevelt once said, nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. My guest today understands that being a godly father means living a difficult life, one of self-sacrifice for those in your care. His name is Kent Evans. Kent and his wife, April, have been married for 25 years and have five sons. He's the executive director and co-founder of Manhood Journey, a ministry that helps dads become disciple makers. He co-authored the book, Bring Your Hammer, 28 Tools Dads Can Grab from the Book of Nehemiah, this one right here. He's also the author of two other books, Wise Guys, just makes me think of uh, the mob when you, when, you, when you have that, Wise Guys, Unlocking, uh, Unlocking Hidden Wisdom for Men Around You, and Manhood Journey, Charting a Course for Biblical Fatherhood. So let's be honest, the guy knows what he's talking about. He joins us today to talk about how you can be that father God called you to be, but brother, it takes work, hard work. So let's get to it. Kent, welcome to Dad Devotionals. So great to have you, my friend. Thanks, David. I'm uh, honored to be here, brother. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. So I got to I got to ask this question. So let's start with this one. Why the book of Nehemiah? Um, you know about I remember years ago reading a book by Mark Batterson called Circle Maker, and in that book is the first time I ever heard a guy talk about the reticular activating system in your brain, which is what tells you what to notice and what not to notice. And it's like you know I call it the red car principle, right? If you go rent a red car. All of a sudden, you start noticing red cars. It's not because right. they weren't there before. It's just because your brain ignored them. Yep. And so now, in the last decade or so, as I've been working with fathers, specifically in fatherhood ministry, every time I read something or see something in the news or whatever, uh, there's a fatherhood idea that pops mm. out at me. It's the red car principle. And so about five years ago, I was reading the book of Nehemiah. And I, as I was reading, I just kept making notes in the margin going, oh, man, that's a great lesson for me as a dad. And I, it wasn't for me to teach it or to write a book about it. It was just I was learning how yeah. to be a better father through the book of Nehemiah. And then I got all done and had 40 something lessons and thought, huh, that might become a book one day. And I just filed them. And then the story goes on from there. But that was the original impetus was I just was reading through the book and I felt like Nehemiah's approach to leadership was a fatherhood example that I could learn from. Yeah. You, you never know when God's going to speak to you and, and give you some inspiration. So it's beautiful. <laughs> true. True. So I always like the concept of beginning with the end in mind. That's that whole Stephen Covey thing, seven habits. Um, so I'm starting at the end of your book, bring your hammer. You, you say this being a godly father will not lead to an easy life, but it will be a life worth remembering. Okay. So speak to the dad listening right now. What are they supposed to take away from that? Often, one of the barriers to being as engaged of a father as I want to be is my own selfishness. Mm. And if I'm really honest, it's not culture. It's not these ridiculous children. It's not, I can't make enough money. It's, it, that's all smokescreen. Yeah. The actual issue is what keeps me from being an engaged dad is I want to do what I want to do. Uh, and I want to have my life and you hear guys express it in the form of hobbies or me time or whatever. At the end of the day, if you're a dad, guess what? Other people need to come first. Mm. And I don't mean you run yourself into the ground or you have no emotional stability or you just 
you know, don't take care of your body. I mean that it is uh, by necessity when you become a dad, you now are responsible for discipling a person. Um, and that is very, very important. And one of the things I want my kids to learn is the ability to have at least some degree, and I'm not, I'm no perfect role model for this, but some degree of self-sacrifice. Cause guess what? We have five boys. They're ages seven to 22. One is married, which is not the seven-year-old. It's the 22-year-old, <laughs> just to clarify. <clears throat> Don't anybody panic. Don't anybody panic out there. Um, and what I want my boys to realize is uh, they can search through their Bible all they want, looking for the verses that talk about how the woman should give up her life for the man. And they will not find those verses. But they will find the verses where the man should get up, give up his life for the woman. Uh, mm. Because it is a picture of the gospel. Right. Jesus is the bridegroom. We're the bride. And that's the picture. Mm. So coming full circle, dads need to be willing to put other people first because it's a picture of the gospel. Oh, man. So beautiful. That actually leads to my next question. So every time I see the need to step it up as a parent, it all comes back to that idea of dying to self, of putting others needs ahead of my own, whether it be as a husband, a father, a neighbor, you know, in this culture of selfishness, you know, you tell us that we need to do it, but how do we do it? How do we do it to, in the, in the day to day? Yeah. Um, and to buy, by the way, I'm not even totally sure I wrote that line because I had a co-author of this book, Eric Ballard, and he's a good friend from Houston and he did an amazing job in a lot of this book. And so probably half of it he wrote and we, he and I like to joke about, you know, all the good lines he wrote. Um, we're just, we kid about that a lot. Uh, but I want to give credit where credit is due for all I know that was Eric's idea. Uh, and he taught me that, um, but practically speaking, um, uh, for me, at least, uh, I'll, I'll tell it by way of a story. Yeah, when please. my 22 year old son was getting married a couple of years ago, he got married young in middle uh, college, which we loved. And we love our daughter-in-law. She's amazing. When he was getting married, he said, Hey dad, what's one piece of advice you would have for me as I become a husband? And I said, read scripture every day. Mm. Yeah. And the reason is because I believe it does what it promises it will do. And that is, it actually changes us. I don't mean like changes the way we think or gives us ideas. I mean, to the molecular level, I believe God's word is living and active and pierces and it is sharp and it changes who we are. And so if I'm going to progressively become less selfish, I'm going to need some help because that's not my default setting. That's yeah. none of our default settings. And so for me, practically speaking, the number one tool for becoming less selfish is a constant intake of God's word. Mm. You know, it, it just got me thinking. It goes back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast. And that's, you know, whatever you see more of, whatever you're focused more of, that ends up becoming the things you see out there. So you're going to see the world through the lens of, of the Bible, of the gospel, of you know Jesus of our Lord and Savior, if you make it a priority every day, especially at the beginning of our days, to kind of set the tone. So when the distractions happen and the boss is on your nerves and the kids are banging on the door because I'm working from home, I'm talking about myself here. <laughs> you have a better way of dealing with it. One that's okay. This is just another person I have to put before myself, and here's how I do it. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament along those lines is Colossians three two. And it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Mm -hmm. 
set your minds on things above. And I've wrestled often with, well, what's that mean? Set your minds. Like if you and I were flying a plane and they said, you know, turn the heading to two seven zero, even though I don't know how to be a pilot, I'm sure there's some knob or some device you turn and you go to two seven zero. Like, you know how to aim a plane in the right direction because the dials tell you how to do it. How do you set your mind on things above? Mm. Like practically speaking, how do you do that? I've wrestled over and over. I've just found probably half a dozen ways. And one of them is rolling around in God's word, like a pig in slop, man, rolling around in God's word. And your mind, even Romans 12, two talks about aiming our mind, talks about where our thoughts are going. Romans six, Romans eight, where our thoughts are, where our brains are, they direct our lives. And so for me, I want to be a constant student of God's word. And I don't do it right every single week. I'm, I'm not a seven day a week guy, but I'm a five day a week guy, maybe five and a half. And it's important because I really believe it's working on me. It's making me different day by day. Amen. There, there's this. Um, I'm an Orthodox Christian, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the um, listeners know that. But there's a saint named Saint Paisios who used to say that thoughts are like airplanes, and you're the air traffic controller. You can choose which one to land. So, you know, when you think about <laughs> so when you think about your sins or the, you know, the, the disturbing thoughts, the the impure thoughts, you can choose not to land those and not to focus on those. You can choose oh. the ones that hey, that I learned, that I listened to, that I read about. Uh, in, in my scripture reading that morning. So just uh, some food for thought, fellas. All right, Kent, let's take a break right here. Thank our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to chat more with you about how we can live out our calling as fathers. We'll be right back, guys. Dad, are you a fan of outdoor and military surplus gear? What about t-shirts to show off your love for the good old US of A? If that's you, Dad, check out beartracks.com. That's bear. B-E-A-R dash tracks, T-R-A-X dot com, bear dash tracks dot com. The father-daughter team of Bill and Jaden started Bear Tracks because of their love for the outdoors. You'll even hear Bill discuss Bear Tracks in episode two of the Family VC podcast. Their focus is on great customer service, making customers feel safe and welcome and proud to be Americans. With Bear Tracks, they want you to feel like a kid again. Go over to bear-tracks.com and find your favorite gear. Okay, we're back with Kent Evans. He's the executive director of Manhood Journey and co-author of Bring Your Hammer, 28 Tools Dads Can Grab from the Book of Nehemiah. All right, Kent, let's talk about garbage. You mentioned how we often need to clean house in our lives, but especially in our spiritual lives. How do we do it? One of the cool things about the book of Nehemiah, if you know your Bible history at all, a lot of people think the book of Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. And that's really only about the first half or first 60% of the book. The rest of it is about him governing the town of Jerusalem, uh, which you can, if you look at the dates, he probably was there about 12 years running the city. He was the mayor. He was the governor. And one of the things that he did is he reinstated a lot of uh, biblical practices um, and devotional type practices, worship, the reading of the scripture, uh, the Sabbath. And at one point he drug a guy out by his hair because there were things like Nehemiah was not messing around. And one of the things that he was keenly uh, interested in was the, what, what you could call the civil garbage of his day. Mm-hmm. So it was infighting, overloading people with debt, uh, vendors not being honest, etc. So he had uh, like these 
these things he would do to purify the people to, to go in and say, Hey, that's not okay. You got to knock it off. And so as a dad, the challenge we have is if you go back to the very first chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah's first reaction to the bad news about Jerusalem was praying, weeping, confessing. It was not to go solve the problem. His mm. first reaction was, Hey man, I've got to clean myself, wow. myself. And what a lot of dads get a little bit sidetracked on is we believe our job is to fix our wives and fix our children and tell them how to live and tell them where to put their pants and tell them, you know, everything that we think we're supposed to do is external and we're supposed to manage or lead these people in our homes. That's true, but it's secondary. Primarily, mm. I'm supposed to lead myself. I've got to find a way to clean the garbage out of my own mind and to have my mind aimed onto things that are righteous and pure. Philippians 4, whatever things are true and good, and those filters we see in Philippians 4, those are the filters. And so practically speaking, uh, dads, let's focus on our own selves first, as Jesus talked about in uh, when he said, hey, take take first the log out of your own eye before you try to help your brother with a speck in his. We've got to be diligent self-cleaners before we're out kind of giving the cleaning commands to everybody else. Amen to that. I know that's um, one of the first things that I tend to do with my wife. I'm always like, but you, but the kids, but my job. Yeah. Never ends well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More times than I can count, man. Oh, man. Amen. I I can't even imagine with five sons. I mean, that's, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, so, so Ken, as men, we often hate asking for help from anyone. So for the guy listening who is like me, um, and just wants to go it alone most times, what advice do you have to push him out of his comfort zone? And actually what, like, as it sounds like, be like more like Nehemiah. Um, in the first chapter of the book of Proverbs, you see what happens to the guy who does not seek wisdom. You see what happens to the guy and and the phrase I've used before, which I know ruffles some theological feathers, but basically God will never leave you or forsake you, but wisdom will kick you to the curb. Go Mm -hmm. check it out. Go read Proverbs chapter one for the guy who believes that it is his destiny to go through life, not asking for help, not seeking counsel, not surrounding himself with godly influences. The Proverbs has a word for that guy. He's called a fool. That's what Proverbs would call that guy. And eventually wisdom says, you know what? Fine. You want to be a fool? I'm going to let you be in the gutter. And when you're crying to me from the gutter, mm, we're going to have a conversation. You know, so um, what we want to do as men is understand that uh, God's wisdom comes to us in few ways, right? The Holy Spirit can reveal it directly straight into our brain, spiritual transition. Uh, It can come from God's word. It can come from messages, you know, great preaching, a podcast, a good song, whatever. One of the primary ways God can give us wisdom is through other people, through mm-hmm. other people. And so uh, it's, it Proverbs goes on to say that if we have surrounded ourselves with wise counsel, our plans will succeed. So I would just encourage guys to say, hey, man, don't go it alone. Going it alone is dangerous and foolish. Instead, lean into some relationships with guys around you and be pulling wisdom out of those guys around you. Nehemiah did it. He didn't build a wall by himself. He employed every family to do their thing. He had a group of guys that he was kind of had his running buddies. You can go find it in Nehemiah. And those kinds of behaviors are behaviors that not only give us wisdom, but they protect us from danger. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you say go out and, and you know, be there with other men and, and get wisdom from other men. I'll be honest, the last two years, and I'm, I'm going to talk about myself right now, because um, I'm sure there's other guys out there that are that are listening that may have 
uh, be in a similar situation. So I work from home. I've been working from home since March of 2020. We all know what happened in March of 2020. Um, so for the last two plus years, I haven't had that office setting. I haven't had that camaraderie. Um, honestly, it's like I go, I'm in my office. I work on my my day job. I work on the, my side hustles, the podcast, and I go and I do all the myriad of kids activities. And I, I only really socialize whoever my wife brings in to <laughs> with, my wife brings around. Sure. So what do you say to the guy like me, the dad listening? That's, you know, I, I feel like I don't have that male camaraderie that maybe I had when I was in college or high school. Not that that was the best, but at least it you had those guys around that you could you know, you were living life with, right? So yeah. for the dad, for for the dad struggling to find that, um, you know, those relationships outside of just the family element, um, especially when it's, you know, it's, there's so little time to do those kinds of things, right? What what do you say to him? What do you say to me? Uh, <laughs> David, <laughs> knock it off. No, uh, the, the challenge becomes, um, uh, man, I have a lot to say, but please, but, but take your time. Um, when I was 18, I went to a counselor because my parents were getting divorced mm. and I was really frustrated with where my parents had ended up. And in particular, I had an ax to grind with one of my parents. And so my um, counselor told me, he goes, Hey man, you know, you, you can't become the unsomething. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, life has this weird way of turning you into whatever you hate. Um, my encouragement is if you want to learn how to be a different dad and husband in your future than you you're experiencing now as a teenager go find men who have what you want mm. and then learn from them learn from them and so i remember as i went down this journey i found a great quote i'm pretty sure it was by um either henry david thoreau or ralph waldo emerson one of the poets and it said every man i meet is in some way my superior and in that i endeavor to learn and we men are so interested in being validated and have been patted on the back and our story's the best and my vacation was better and my money's the better and all that, that we don't walk around looking for the expertise and the counsel lying in the heart of the men around us. Wow. In the heart of the, I, I, and I was at uh, coffee one time with a friend of mine in, in Louisville, Kentucky, where I live, and he's probably on his ninth or 10th book. And he's really good, very good author, very good preacher. And we were talking about book writing. And at that moment, I was the protege and he was the mentor. And we were talking about book writing. I'm like, how do you write? Where do you get your ideas? How do you structure your day? Tell me about publishing. I had all these questions, right? And then at some point in our conversation, he mentioned wanting to adopt with his wife. Wow. We have adopted two boys from the country of Ethiopia. So two okay. of our five boys were adopted. Immediately, the mentor protege, like if there were labels above our head, they switched. And I went into mentor mode and was like, all right, here's what you can think about. Here's how much it's going to cost you. Here's who you can talk to. And men are missing that opportunity because we're not looking for it, right? Yeah. So here's a challenge for your guys. Dad, Dad, if you're listening to this podcast, here's your challenge. In the next week, when you bump into a guy, find out what he knows that you don't. Mm -hmm. Like, I dare you. I dare you ask enough questions. Proverbs 20 verse five says the purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out, draw out of the men around you, what they're good at, what they're skilled at, 
what they enjoy, what they're passionate about. And what you're going to find is a treasure trove of wisdom, support, and counsel is actually sitting around you at the barbecue and at your Sunday school this week in church. Wow. Okay. Well, you told me, didn't you? <laughs> I was just talking for a friend of yours. Not yeah, so much you, I, like a friend of yours. No, you know what? My, my wife always, you know, when, when I know she gets on her soapbox and she's like, you need to do this. I'm like, I need to do it. So I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to question. I'm going to be humble and I'm going to listen to you. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And for all, I mean, you know, on behalf of all the guys out there, of course. <laughs> so, so Kent, one of the, one of the things I always like to ask people when they come on is, how do we model this godly behavior for our kids? I mean, this is a dad's podcast. So how can we live? So things like this, how, how can we live out these lessons so that our sons see it and do it for themselves and their future families? And then also yeah. on the flip side, because I, I have a son and a daughter for our daughters, how can we help them live it out? Of course, themselves, but also seek it in their future mm-hmm. husbands. Well, I think I know there's a lot there. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I think it's a brilliant question because I think the answer is in the question. And what I, and what I mean by that is if you look at in the book, I think it is also Philippians where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm. And so there's a bit of a, a qualifier there, right? Where he's, he's not just saying, oh, follow me because I'm so brilliant or follow me because I said so, or follow me because I've made a lot of money. Don't you? No, 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 no. He says, follow me. As I follow Christ. Mm. And I think back to your question, the way you asked it is like the perfect way. How do we model it? Well, when we model it, we find the osmotic effect. The osmosis happens and our kids understand, man, I guess that's how dad lives. Right. So I remember years ago, a friend of mine, uh, unfortunately, who's now I think on either his second or third marriage, just tragic. It's just been rough for this guy. Right. And um, at one point he called me and said, hey, man. You know, uh, I want to like study my Bible so that my kids notice me studying my Bible. And, mm. and man, I, David, I just didn't, I didn't quite have enough relational equity to tell the guy, bro, yeah. you just, that is so backward. Like, yeah. <laughs> go read God's word so you grow. Go read God's word so you know God. Go read God's word so you become wise. And if someone happens to catch you in the act, well, okay, fine, yeah. but don't read it because, gee, that sounds a lot like the people Jesus rebuked very harshly in the book of Matthew. Yeah, You stand on the corner and you pray to be noticed by men. Stop it. Knock yeah. it off. Go pray in secret. And I think for part of us dads, it's that tension. It's that tension yeah. between, man, I just want to be a faithful lover of Jesus and a faithful student of his word, a faithful disciple. I want to have God say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's kind of all I want. But at the same time, I do have this tension of wanting to transfer that and exhibit that to my children. And I just want to make sure your dad listening, do the first thing right. And the second thing will generally take care of itself. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll find the osmosis and the example setting accidentally takes care of itself when you're genuinely chasing a deeper walk with the Lord, at least that's been my experience. And again, you know, caveat asterisk, I don't do this perfectly. I'm not the fatherhood answer, man. I've got my opinions, go scrub them against scripture, take God's word, not mine. But I, I do find that I want to live like Paul did and say to my kids, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And then where I'm not following Christ, feel free to diverge from your dad's stupid path and carve your own. 
Amen. You know, as you were talking about your friend there, I couldn't help but thinking about everything that people post on social media. So it got me thinking, you know, here I am. I'm I'm on I'm on my own podcast reading Ken's book and I'm going to take a selfie. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we li- we we do live in that age where uh we we do feel like we need to exhibit to the world what it is that we're doing. Uh, right. And that's not necessarily evil or dramatic or awful, but it is one of those things where uh, well, I'll go back to Mark Patterson's book, Circle Maker, which I really enjoyed years ago. He said, I want to be famous in my own home. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great line. Yeah. I mean, that's a great line. Amen. And he's like, I don't care if I speak at churches or have best-selling books or get invited for you know $50,000 honorariums. I want to be famous in my own home. I don't want to be a hypocrite. In fact, I had a sideways compliment paid to me the other day by one of my sons. Lisa was a compliment, <laughs> I guess, right? He said, uh, he said, so I've published three books and he goes, dad, I've not written, I've not read any of your books. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's kind of def- deflating. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, mainly because like I, you tell me this stuff all the time. It's no different. And you know what? I'm going to go with the silver lining on that one. I'm yeah, going to take yeah. that and go. Yeah. Because like it's, it's happening like around my house, this stuff is happening. Not perfectly, man. I can be so angry at my kids. Sometimes I scream at them and I got to apologize the next day or the next hour. Like I can be a class a jerk. There's no question. I blow it. I don't know if it's daily, but pretty frequently I do something wrong. So I'm not trying to raise my hand and go do it just like Kent did. But it was a bit refreshing to find that one of my boys felt like, the there was a a low degree of hypocrisy right at least i'm transparent (laughs) at least at least you know what you're gonna get um that's some days that's good some days that's not so good well i I think you know what you should give him for christmas (laughs) (laughs) that would be hilarious i'm gonna give him a dave domzowski book that's what i want to give him because uh clearly he's not gonna read any of mine what what, your mouth to god's ears that is that is one of the things since our uh, our conversation that i've been kicking around, you know, putting, putting my stories to paper, things like that, trying to get an idea. I'm even going to a conference. I think it, yeah, it'll, it'll have happened by the time this, um, this goes out, but, uh, it's a, a content creators conference for, you know, people in the, in the Christian realm. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing if there's any, there'll be some publishers there. So hopefully, you know, I can kind of sell the idea of a, of a dad devotionals book, if you will. So Oh, I would love to. I would love to see it. I'm going to endorse it. Just send it my way. So oh, that would be, that would, I would be incredibly oh, yeah. humbled. Thank you for that. But uh, now it's time for my favorite uh, portion of the show. My favorite segment, the fatherhood five. It's like a lightning round. Quick answers. First thing that comes to mind. 20 seconds or less. You ready to go? I'm ready. Awesome. First question. What's the most rewarding thing about being a dad? I feel like I experience how God feels about us. Oh man, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the most difficult thing about being a dad? I feel like I experience how God feels about us. <laughs> nice. I set you up perfectly for that. I, I kind of mean that. that. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I, kidding aside, I would say that's there is truth in that. But real quickly, um, th- coming back to your kids are hypocrisy detectors and it's hard because you know what? You got a parent from a position of imperfection mm-hmm. over and over again, uh, because you're just not going to get it all right. I, I find myself apologizing a lot. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good habit. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know. I, 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 I've definitely been led there over the years. So it's, it's not me, but it's totally God in that, in that regard. All right. Number three, who is one Christian father you admire and why? I mean, you can say me, but I, I, I'd say somebody else. <laughs> uh, one Christian father I admire and why? Um, that is hard because I have so many. Um, our board chairman, Tom Harper, has three children and he lives in Louisville. And I admire Tom because he is um, calm. He is thoughtful. He is sincere. Mm-hmm. And um, he is as real in private as he is in public. Nice. I like that. I was going to say, if you couldn't think of anybody or you don't want to hurt any feelings, I can. we can record a couple people. And then we'll just send different versions to them. How's that? Yes. <laughs> hey, when I was asked the other day, I only thought of one name and it was insert name here. <laughs> Some brownie points. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Number four, best resource on fatherhood other than any of your own books or articles. Teaching to change lives by Dr. Howard Hendricks. Right. And the reason is because even though it doesn't sound like a fatherhood book, it helps you understand the spiritual and psychological ways of instructing and teaching other people in a way that no other book I've ever read does. Wow. I love that. I'll have to check that one out. I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes for you guys. All right. Last one in the lightning round. Give us a Christian quote or a Bible verse that you're meditating on lately. Man, Christian quote or Bible verse I'm meditating on lately. Um, I like... And I can't quote it verbatim, but I like Romans 12, 1 and 2, because it's about submitting my body and my mind to God's will and then being able to discern his will uh, by renewing my mind and not being conformed to this world. Uh, So that constant process is on my mind a lot. Oh, man, I love that. That, That's and that like really sums up what we're talking about. (laughs) It's in so many ways. Kent, this has been amazing, my brother. This has been awesome. It's really like, as I told you before we hit record, this is the fourth interview I've done today and it's just icing on the cake. All right. It was, it was fantastic. I guess I'll have to edit that out for the other people that, that I. <laughs> it was my pleasure. And thank you, David, for what you're doing. Cause I know sometimes you're in the content creation world. You don't know if what you're doing matters and all that. And sometimes it's hard to figure out if there's not enough feedback and men are notorious for not giving you feedback. <laughs> and so I just want you to know what you're doing really matters. Keep up the good work. Oh man, that means so much. And same thing to you. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're an inspiration for where I can shoot for, you know what I mean? As I, as I try to climb this ladder here. So um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a true blessing to have you on the program, man. Um, Anytime, brother. so this is your time. You take a minute, tell us where we can connect with you, Kent, and learn more about manhood journey and also pick up a copy of bring your hammer. Yeah. Bring your hammer. We wrote it on purpose, really short chapters, 28 of them. It may sound like there's a lot of chapters, but they're all really short. So you can read them very quickly. Um, go grab that book. It's easy read. Eric did an amazing job on the chapters he wrote. And I did an average job on the chapters I wrote. Uh, go grab Bring Your Hammer on Amazon. And then secondly, you'd like to take, if you've ever wondered how you're doing as a dad, we built a godly father assessment. We call it the godly dad quiz. And you can come take it totally for free at our website at manhoodjourney.org. That's manhood 
journey.org to take the quiz and you'll see how you're doing as a dad across seven different dimensions of fatherhood and uh, about 1400 men 1400 men have already taken it come join them and you can find out where you are now and how you can make meaningful progress as a dad wonderful that i'm going to do that myself and i'll, I'll make sure i link that up and and uh and mention it in future episodes uh to, to give people that tool and let them uh, let them check it out and understand where they are because i mean it's it, it's kind of helps to know where you are now so that you can get to where you actually want to get to and and reach your goals so ken thank you so much once again brother i really appreciate it may god grant you many blessed years with you and your family and of course, uh, manhood journey, you know, you, you really are touching so many lives out there. So thank you and God bless and have a, have an excellent weekend. Thanks, David. Same to you, my brother. Thanks for listening to dad devotionals. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at daddevotionals.com slash subscribe until then God bless.